Good morning, everybody. Feels like there's been a lot already happening this morning, and you might feel a bit tired. I do. But um, let's keep going, because we're not finished yet. So, as Steve said, um, we're continuing our series on life with God. In fact, it was mildly amusing when Keith, who happens to be my father, um, asked me to speak a few weeks ago. He said, um, he phoned me up and he said, Ruth, um, we'd like you to speak on May the 29th. I said, okay. And um, he explained what about, and then he said, "Um, we've asked you to speak because... And then there was this pause, which if you've ever spoken to him much, he, he tends to do frequently, particularly on the phone. Well, to which I said, because it's bank holiday Monday, I mean, it's bank holiday weekend, it's the weekend before half term and everyone else is away. And to, which, to which he said yes. <laughs> so, anyway, you've got me. Hopefully not just because I was the only one that said yes. Um, I do actually, in all seriousness, feel when I was thinking and praying and planning about today, it felt like God really clearly led me to a particular passage in scripture and, and really put something on my heart to try and communicate with you this morning. So I just hope that I can communicate what I feel he's put on my heart and that you'll go with me. Um, if we could turn to Genesis chapter 26 and look at verse 17. And I'll read, starting from verse 17. And Isaac departed from there and camped in the valley of Gerar and settled. Then Isaac dug again the wells of water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the same names which his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of flowing water, the herdsmen quarreled with the herdsmen of Isaac, saying, this water is ours. So they named the well Ezek because they contended with him. Then they dug another well and they quarreled over it too, so he named it Sitna. He moved away from there and dug another well and they did not quarrel over it, so he named it Rehoboth. For he said, at last, the Lord has made room for us, and we will be fruitful in the land. Then he went up from there to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the Lord of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord, and pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. So when thinking and reflecting about what to talk about this morning, I felt that God really led me to this passage about wells, about Isaac digging wells, both reopening wells that had been blocked and digging fresh wells to find fresh water. And I really believe, I mean, I think we've tasted it actually this morning, which is encouraging, but I believe that there's something of the newness and the fullness of life in the spirit that God really wants to highlight for us. And so drawing from this passage, there are kind of four points, two in particular, that I want us to explore. The first one is that Isaac opened up existing wells that had been blocked 
that he dug fresh wells seeking fresh water. Thirdly, that in digging wells, Isaac was met with opposition. And fourthly, Isaac settled in the land, but despite settling, he carried on to dig fresh wells to find fresh water. And the beginning of this chapter in Genesis, it tells us that there's been famine in the land again, not the first famine. Um, And famine, when you think of famine, you think of an uncertainty of rain and, and drought coming You think of there being insufficient rain to provide water for the land, for the people, and the livestock. And I think Isaac would have been trained to believe in a dependence upon God as the one who was the provider of the land that he'd promised to his people. Yet, here Isaac is, in this land, and there's famine all around. So what is Isaac to think of the promises of God when he's in the promised land and this land isn't even providing him sufficient water or sufficient bread to live from. And I think this is quite huge because I think for us, if I think of my life, I think what do I do when things look so very different to how I expected or how I planned or how I hoped or how I dreamed? If I feel like God's spoken about something and you walk into that, and yet it looks so very different to how you want it and expect it and hope it to look, what, what's our response to that? Do we keep pressing in? Do we remain? Or do we have a tendency to just kind of bail out and blame God for putting us in that situation? Um, But the promise of God comes to Isaac. It's in this context of famine and of drought that God then appears to Isaac, reaffirming the covenant promise that he made to his father Abraham, which was to sustain and protect his people and his descendants. God calls Isaac in verse 3 to stay in the land, to not leave it, but to remain in that place and that he will be blessed. So God reaffirms his covenant once again with Isaac and blessing does come. Blessing does follow obedience for Isaac. He does what God asked him to do. He stays put and blessing does come. And I think too for us, sometimes sometimes I myself and I hear other people say, you know, I, like, I haven't heard what God's asked me to do or God's just not turning up or God's not doing this. And sometimes I think it's about just us living and doing the last thing he asked us to do. What was the last thing God asked you to do? And are we really doing it? Are we really living in that place? Are we really being obedient to the last promise, to the last thing that he clearly spoke and asked us to do? So the story goes on and we find out that Isaac planted crops that um, he is indeed fruitful. In fact, he's so fruitful that the Philistines and the king of the land ask him to leave because he's being so fruitful. Um, So out of this fruitfulness that Isaac and his people are experiencing, the Philistines who were resident in the land, who were the, the enemy, they blocked up the wells that existed there. They blocked up the wells that Abraham, Isaac's father, had dug And the king Abimelech tells Isaac to move on because he sees him and his people as a threat. And then that brings us to verse 17 where we started reading. 
So Isaac moves on and he reopens these wells that his father Abraham had dug. So just to think for one moment about wells, um, I don't know what you think, but where else in the Bible, where else in scripture springs to mind when we start to think about, about wells? Well, for me, um, it's John chapter 4, where Jesus meets a Samaritan woman at a well, and he ministers to her, and he speaks to her. She asks Jesus for a drink, and he replies, he says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would give you living water Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst. And he says, the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. So here in John chapter 4, Jesus is likening a well that is in water to the life of the Holy Spirit that is in us, his people. And he's saying that the water that he gives, the vigorous, abundant life of God that we, his people, can drink from, he says that that can become a well of water within us, in our, in our beings, that just as the water that we drink is so essential to our everyday existence, that this water that comes from God, this life of God, the life of the Spirit of God is just as essential in sustaining our very beings, our very spirits, our very well-being, and actually the earth that we do live in. So with this story, I know I'm chopping and changing, but go with me. This story of Isaac that we have just read, that the response of the Philistines, of the enemy in the land, to the blessing of Isaac was to block up these wells, was to prevent this fresh water from flowing. And wells would have been needed to be protected. They would have required some care and some maintenance and some oversight to prevent them from collapsing, to prevent them from silting up, to prevent them from being blocked. The wells themselves wouldn't have maintained an openness for themselves. They would have required effort and work from the people who'd built them to keep access to the fresh water. And just, I believe, as these physical wells of Isaac were blocked up. I think so too can the wells within us, the wells of the Spirit of God that Jesus was referring to, that they too can become full of silt and of rubbish and of dirt, preventing free-flowing access of life in the Spirit, preventing this active, bubbling, vibrant, vigorous life of God from springing forth within us. And I believe, I think God started to do it today, but I believe that just as Isaac chose to unblock these wells of his father, that so too God wants to do some unblocking, some unpopping in our own lives to remove some of the stuff that gets in the way, some of the silt, some of the dirt, some of the collection of things that prevent his rich, deep, vast, vast resources from rising up within us because that's how he wants us to live. He wants us to live in the, in the fullness of his life rising up within us and that we can't function without this life of the spirit. 
that through his spirit that is like a well within us, that we, we can have all we need to live the life that he has asked us to live. It is possible with him. Yes. And someone once said to me um, that it's like, live, it's like choosing to live each day with an acute awareness of my need of God and his spirit of actually coming to the end of myself, of my own knowledge, of my own capacity, of my own resources, of my own gifts, my own talents, my own ability, in order that I may see the active work of the Holy Spirit in my life. That actually we're not, we're not designed to be able to do it. I don't know if you find that releasing. I find that hugely releasing. We're not designed to be able to do it on our own in our own strength, in our own resources, in our own capacity, in our own ability. We're designed to need God. We're designed to be in relationship with him. We're designed to need the life of the Spirit. And that is actually so releasing because it means we, we don't have to try. I mean, we do in terms of our engagement with God, but it isn't up to me, praise the Lord, it isn't up to me to be the mother that I need to be to my kids. It isn't up to me to respond in obedience and, you know, pursue the things that God's asked. It isn't up to me. It's up to him. It's about me engaging with this life of God, of walking in obedience, of keeping my well unblocked and clear and open and digging into this life of the Spirit. We've been created and designed to live in relationship with God, to need him and his Spirit So what are some of the things that might block up our wells, as it were? I want to recommend um, a book to you. It's an oldish book now. Um, It's called Christ Empowered Living by um, Selwyn Hughes. It's a really great book. And um, it talks a lot, really, about things, if you like, that can block up our wells. And it talks a lot about finding life in God. And he writes... Well, it's him and somebody else. Um, He says, if we make an idol of anything, of wealth or pleasure or honor, if we place our happiness in it and promise ourselves the comfort and satisfaction in it, which we are to be had in God only, if we make it our joy and our love and our hope and our confidence, we shall find that it's a broken cistern that it cracks and cleaves in hot weather, so the water is lost when we have most need of it. There's something in all of us that can dislike the fact that apart from God, we will never be able to satisfy the deep thirst and deep longings in our souls. Facing that truth requires that we adopt the position of helplessness, giving up our vain attempts to make life work without God. We much prefer to be in control of the water that we drink. So just this sense of us turning to to things, to people, to situations before we turn to God himself. So some things that might block up our wells, it might be unforgiveness, might be harboring some bitterness and resentment to a situation or to somebody. It might be fear. I think fear's a biggie, I don't know about you, but fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear 
of rejection, fear of new situations and of what people might think. It might be disobedience. It might be that we're not actually doing the last thing that God has asked of us. It might be tiredness and a lack of rest. We might need to start practicing some Sabbath or some retreats. We might need a good holiday. It might be apathy, just a sense of I can't really be bothered because this is hard work to keep doing. It might be actually strongholds and we might need somebody to stand with us and see some deliverance, see God really break through and shift something in terms of the stronghold that the enemy might have on our life. And just to say a quick note on that, I think, you know, it's a big question, the whole issue of deliverance. I think for me, if we feel like it's a really habitual thing that we've tried other you know we've tried to walk free on we've tried things we've you know we've been fasting ourselves we've been praying ourselves we've been meditating on scripture and if those things just aren't working and it's just the same old same old same old then it might be that we need somebody else to stand with us in prayer and just see something shift in our lives it might be a family inheritance, it might be stuff that has been passed down the line. That was my own experience and my mum's experience. She had to be prayed for and be filled with the spirit and see things cut off that had been kind of passed down from her family. It might just be stuff that we pick up from in day-to-day life. Um, um, Paul and I and our son Micah went to Africa last year for three months. And just being in a new place with new sights, new sounds, new smells, new atmosphere, I was really aware, much more acutely than I am here, of, of things that I would pick up, or things that would stick to me, things that people would say, sometimes just as an offhand comment, but would kind of stick to me. You're looking at me with very blank faces, like I've gone a bit mad. But um, things that, that I suddenly thought, hang on a minute, I don't need to carry that around. I, that just that doesn't need to belong to me. And I noticed really acutely as well, Micah, he was only four and a half months old when we went, but his, his response to people and his response to situations. And um, Paul and I started doing this thing where we'd say to one another or to Micah, we'd just go brush it off, brush it off. And sometimes I'd blow, now you really think I am mad, I'd blow over Micah or I'd blow over Paul and myself because there was just something, something of actually you know, take physically responding to what I felt like God was asking me to do and saying, Ruth, you don't need to carry that around. You can just, just, you just need to brush it off. It's gone. You just need to blow it off with my spirit and it's gone. I was so much more aware of that there. Like I said, new sights, new sounds, new place. But I think here, let's ask God just to heighten our awareness of just things that stick to us that we just don't need to carry. Let's brush it off. Um, So what I would like us to do is just to take a moment um, to just think. um, I think on your new sheet, there's a space, isn't there, for notes and doodles. If you haven't started writing your Sainsbury shopping list, is it very small? Oh, well. Um, 
I'd like us just to take a few minutes to think about some questions. If you're somebody who likes to talk things out, then turn to the person next to you and, and talk it out with them. If you're somebody who needs time and you like to reflect, then feel free just to be on your own. But I'd like us to just um, ask God and ask his spirit. Um, are there things that could be blocking the well of the spirit from springing forth in our own lives? What could these things be? I've I've mentioned just a few of them. And what action can I take today or or choose to take today that could see some fresh water flow? So So it could be repentance before God. It could be prayer, just really pushing forward. It could be turning away from a habit, choosing to to start, sorry, choosing to stop something. Or maybe we need to start something new, form a new habit. Maybe we need to think about reading a good book. I don't just mean the latest novel. I mean a book that will do good to our soul and will bring some truth into our life. Maybe we just need some grace and faith and um, life from God to just keep persevering. Maybe we need to think about an aspect of our thinking that needs to be renewed and ask God to renew our mind. So if we could just take a minute to look through these questions together, that would be great. Well, hopefully there's some things we can take away from and, um, yeah, start to see some change. <clears throat> so, secondly, not only did Isaac in this story unblock the old wells, but he also continued to dig fresh wells, to find fresh water, new wells for new seasons, <clears throat> fresh water for new places, as it were, and I think it's the same for us, that digging new wells for new seasons, that finding the life of God in in new seasons, in unexpected places, in different places, that I think different things work at different times. And when I say that, I mean in terms of how we access this life of God, how we actually dig these wells. I don't think it's always the same way of digging, as it were, for, for each season in our lives. I think there are different seasons for different types of digging, for different ways of accessing the life of the Spirit and the life of God. If I think about my own life, there have been seasons when um, it's like it's been really easy to find the life of God, that it's brushed off from other people or just the situations that I've been in, times of rejoicing, seasons of great blessing, times of great community where the life of God has actually been really easy to find. And it's like I can catch it as I surround myself in relationship with others. There have been other times of questioning, of pain, of disappointment, of doubt, when the life of God is harder maybe to find and I have to do some different digging to access this life of the Spirit. I have to try something different. I can't just rely on that surface level water, as it were. And I think about people as well that I know 
who have, who have modelled something of that to me. I think of one of my best friends, Cara, who his, her dad was Dave Marchmont. He used to lead all of the Sultan Light churches in Basingstoke. And he died, it was, a, it was a number of years ago now, in year 2000, he died of leukemia. And um, I, you know, everyone was praying all around the world for him to be healed. And, and he was going to healing conferences and completely and utterly believed in the ability that God could heal him. Um, but he died of, of his leukemia. And it was a real huge time of pain and of disappointment and of struggle and of hardship and, you know, the question of why, why, God, why didn't you heal him? Why did he die? Um, but Cara, his daughter, modelled something so amazing to me where she found the life of God. And, you know, I do this. She found the life of God. She found the life of God even in her father's death, even in the disappointment of prayer unanswered, even in the questions and the doubt and the pain and the struggle, she found the life of God. Why? Why? Because she kept digging. Because she knew that this life that God promised, that it had to be there for her in the pain, in the doubt, in the questioning, in the struggle. She knew it, so she, she searched for it. She kept digging she kept reading the word of God. She kept praying with us, her friends. She kept asking for new life, and she found it. And I think just an, a side note, if you like, on the why questions. <laughs> I think we've probably all got them. I've got them. I've got a couple of why questions. That's probably one of them. And I think that it's learning how we carry those questions. I think we've all got them. But I think it's learning how we carry them. I think I will carry a couple of my why questions until probably I see the face of Jesus. But I think that that's okay. I think what's more important is the who. The who should be greater than the why. The who am I taking my questioning to should be more in focus and should be bigger than the question why itself meaning the person of Jesus, the who, the him that I take my questions to is bigger than the question itself. But it's how we carry those questions. So whatever season we're in, whether it is rejoicing, whether it is blessing, whether it's a new time and a new place, a new land for us to walk into, whether it's a time of struggle, of question of disappointment, of pain, I absolutely believe that the life of God is there for us and that we are able to access this life, that we're able to dig fresh wells in order to find. And how do we dig wells? It's all very well talking about it, isn't it? How do we actually do it? Well, I think, I think for me, I think for us, it, it's picking up new habits. It's picking up ways of living. It's picking up some spiritual disciplines. It's picking up it, prayer. Are we praying? What's our prayer life like? Are we fasting about this situation? Are we living in honesty and vulnerability? Are we walking with others? Are we allowing people in to our lives to see us for all that we are? 
Are we living in community? Are we worshipping alongside others? Are we breaking bread with others? Are we listening to the teaching of others? Uh, Maybe we need to try something new. Maybe we need to look at uh, the rhythm of Sabbath in our lives. Maybe we need to look at going on a retreat. Maybe we need to look at what books we're reading, at what's filling our souls, what's filling our minds. Um, I've just got a few books to recommend. There's, There's loads Um, out there, but just ones that really have helped me. Like I said, Christ Empowered Living by Selwyn Hughes. There's another one called The Return of the Prodigal Son by Henri Nouwen. Um, And Freedom in Christ series by Dr. Neil Anderson from America. Um, They're they're pretty good if you work work with somebody in those too. And a great one by Mark Stibbe called Orphans to Heirs. I couldn't find it, by the way. If someone's borrowed it, could, could we have it back at some point? <laughs> I couldn't find it on our bookshelf. It's one of my favourites. Um, Orphans to Heirs by Mark Stibbe is a great one, just about you know, the Father heart of God and knowing who we are in him and knowing who we are in Christ. Another one that we've just start, Paul and I started reading, The Grace Outpouring, Blessing Others Through Prayer by this guy, Ron Godwin. A great, just great book about prayer and God answering prayer and about you know, creating a spirit of blessing, of blessing others and living kind of in that blessing. Um, so I'd like us to look at some more questions. Sorry, I'm making you work this morning. I'm not doing it all. Um, I'd like us just to reflect then about this sense of digging new wells. And just to ask God, what season do I think I'm in? What season are you in at the moment? And are there new wells you need to dig to find new life um, and new ways of trying to find that life? And what could this look like? And I've just listed some of the things I've talked about. So if we could just ponder on those for a moment. So finally, um, just the last two points I like to draw out, that in digging these new wells, Isaac and his people met opposition. They dug a well and there was a quarrel and they moved on. They dug a well, there was a quarrel, they moved on. They dug a well, there was a quarrel, they moved on. And just to note really that it, you know, in our, in our lives, in digging these wells, in the search for new life of the Spirit, that it isn't always easy that we do meet opposition, that there is sometimes struggle um, in digging these new wells, in trying something new to find the life of the Spirit, in persevering in prayer, in pushing through in obedience to God. It's not always smooth running that we do meet opposition. But the search for fresh water, the search for fresh life has got to be the thing that keeps us going. And finally, Isaac carried on digging, that it says at the end in verse 25, he built an altar, so he worshipped, he recognised God's holiness, he recognised and he placed God in his rightful place as Lord of his life, and he then pitched a tent. He then made his home there. He claimed the land. He took possession of it. He filled it. He made it his home. And then he called his servants to dig a well. He carried on digging. 
But just because he'd settled in the land, just because he'd pitched his tent and unpacked his things, didn't mean that he relied on the existing wells, on the existing water. He carried on his search for fresh water to dig new wells because he knew probably the value and the importance that water had for the livelihood of his community. He knew that they needed it in order to live and sustain their crops and their herd and their life. And you know, it's the same for us. It's the same for us, knowing and valuing the importance of fresh water. That just because we might find ourselves in a season of rest, of peace, of of settling, of unpacking, of bedding down, as it were, that we must still be aware of the importance of this sustaining, life-giving life of the Spirit that must flow within us and through us. And just that's the point I want to finish on too, is that this life of the Spirit, this fresh water, it's got to flow, it's got to move, it's not a stagnant thing, it's not a thing that is still, although there is stillness and rest in life of God, that it's a flowing thing, that there's movement, that it must flow out and go out. And maybe if we're experiencing some blockedness, in the life of God, maybe it's because we just need to get things moving a bit. Maybe it's because we just need to get things flowing a bit. I think personally for Paul and I, I came back from Africa last year and he, he finished working at the Bible College and that was real, a real source of life for us, working alongside people and seeing their lives transformed. And it was a little bit like we knew we were going again, but in this bit in between, kind of what were we going to do? And we found such life, it has been hard work as well, but we found such life in just getting involved in our community and in all the community centre stuff that's going on in Dean Court and the fun days we've organised and, you know, just praying more, just getting out of the house and walking around the neighbourhood and praying more. It, just seeing the life of God flow, even in small ways, has, has just brought life to us and life to our spirits and life to our beings so that we're not, be, we're not living stagnantly, we're not remaining stagnant, as it were, but we're actually being active, I hope, in seeking to bring the life of God to others. I'm going to finish there, but we have got a bit of time, I think, to respond in prayer Um, I don't know how we want to do that, Steve, Um, if you have any ideas. I thought it would be good really to think about the the main three areas. If you feel like there there are blockages, that you really want to see God do some unpopping and some unblocking of, of, of your wells this morning. If there's a sense of just needing to persevere, to push through, to dig, to find new life, new water. And then thirdly, a sense of the flowing. If, you know, just praying for our community, praying for our friends, our neighbours, to see the life of God flow out more. Thank you, Ruth. There's quite a lot there um, for us to reflect on. Uh, Bev and I managed to get a couple of days retreat this last week. We went somewhere near Doncaster. Um, which was good, actually. And um, one of the revelations that we gained this week, perhaps particularly me, was just the difference uh, that there is between living life rightly, doing the right thing, and having a good life. I don't know if that makes sense. 
um, some of us are quite motivated to try and do the right thing. And uh, actually, for me as a leader, I, I find that that responsibility pushes me typically more that way. It's important that I do the right thing. Set an example of doing the right thing. And uh, quite a challenge that it really matters that we have a good life. We're all called to make disciples, and what that means is that we ask people to follow us as we follow Christ. A question that really landed for me this week is, would you want anyone else, would you, would you invite anyone else to live your life? Do you have a good life? That you could ask other people to say, come and follow. This is the pattern of life that I've found in Christ. Does that make sense? And I say that because having been challenged and encouraged uh, to think about the life that's in us, some of us might respond to that almost at, just at the level of, right, okay, so I'm supposed to do this. But the whole purpose of thinking about wells is for the water. It's that there would be life. And I just want to, I guess just to have pushed that a little bit further and say the focus of this is life from above. (laughs) It's not just about some sharpening up of our spiritual disciplines because that's how we're supposed to live. You with me? Yeah? Yeah? We've had some time already, as, as Ruth has spoken to us, to think about things, which means we must have some lists of things. I think what I'd like to do is, is to pray. Um, if the band could come up whilst I'm praying, that would be great. I will pray and just pray along the lines of, yes, God, we want more life from you. Um, say amen. <laughs> and the band will lead us in some song that will help us all to respond together along the same lines. Yeah. Heavenly Father, (laughs) we come before you as the God who is abundantly gracious. Thank you that you do not just give us enough to get by, but that you have promised to give us your spirit without measure. Limitless blessing. And Lord, I want to We want to bring before you all the different specific things that have come to mind as Ruth's been sharing with us and invite you to come into those. Lord, we pray that where there are changes that we need to make to do the right thing, Lord, give us the grace for that. It matters that we live rightly. Lord, I want to pray that in all of that, we would start to experience a better life in you, that we would have more and more of that good life that comes, the way in which Isaac experienced abundance in the midst of famine and had a good life because of all that you provided for him. But we call out to you for that in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that you would release faith amongst us for that, particularly for those who've become discouraged and have just settled into routinely, dutifully doing the right thing. I pray in Jesus' name for a breakthrough to trusting you for a good life and starting to experience your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that your word says that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
not only in the life hereafter, but in this life, we will see your goodness. Lord, release it over us. Fresh life from above, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.